Good morning, Mr. Cleese. Mike. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. What are we going to chat about, Mike? Well, I would love to talk about uh, the screening of Monty Python and the Holy Grail at the Hanover Theater in Worcester, Massachusetts, on February right. 15th. Can tell you, we show the movie, uh-huh. and uh, when the movie finishes, my daughter, who is very funny and very rude, which is excellent because most interviewers are much too respectful, which is very boring, she comes out and introduces me, and then she runs the proceedings, and she's very good at it because she's a stand-up comedian in real life. She's on, uh, she's on uh, YouTube, Camilla Cleese, if you want to see her. She comes out, and people send questions electronically. I don't understand it, but with their phones, they send questions hmm. that appears on the screen of the iPad that she has. And uh, as we go, and as I answer questions, she picks out the least boring of the other questions that have been asked. And that way we have quite a good evening, because it's in the hands of the audience. If they want to talk about Mother Teresa or, or Trump or just about Python, it's fine. It's up to them. We are guided by their questions. I see uh, on the Hanover Theater's website, it says uh, that uh, it is requested that the questions are as absurd or as ridiculous as possible. That's absolutely right. I mean, sometimes the ridiculous ones are very funny. I was in Oslo, Norway, and a man stood up and said, Mr. Keyes, may I ask you a serious question? I said, yes. He said, if you had to choose to be a component part of an aircraft... (laughs) What component part of an aircraft would you choose to be? I just couldn't. I couldn't speak for about a minute. In the end, I had time to think. I said the joystick, of course. Oh, yeah, of course. But... Uh, well, I mean, that or sometimes it's the other way. I mean, one woman in Florida said to me, Mr. Cleese, serious question. I said, yes. She said, did the queen kill Diana? Oh, my God. And you never heard a silence like that. There were <laughs> 2,000 people stunned into silence, and I was the only one laughing. <laughs> so you never know what people are going to ask. Um, uh, but provided the boring thing is when they ask some questions, perfectly sensible, that was a boring answer, like, why is it called Monty Python? I could answer that, but it's not very interesting. Um, or the other thing is they can uh, they just, just say, uh, what's the velocity or, you know, of a swallow? Or they oh, just right. quote lines. Well, that's no good because it doesn't give you anywhere to go. But with my daughter up there assisting the questions, she takes those out, and then the questions, the nice rude ones, like who do you hate most in the Python group or why can't you stay married? Those sort of questions, they, they lead to fun. Now, I've, I've read and uh, listened to a couple interviews. You, you seem to take delight when people uh, get up and walk out of the Q&A section. Is that true? I usually organize a round of applause. No, really? Because I think when people do feel strongly enough to walk out having paid for the ticket, I think we should acknowledge the fact that they have moral courage. Mm-hmm. And I often get the audience to applaud them. And sometimes they turn and bow, which makes it a rather <laughs> nice yeah. transaction. But more often, they, uh, the Trump people just uh, either trudge out or they turn around and give the whole of the rest of the audience the finger, which is, I think, that's <laughs> sort of the tribal side of the Trump support. <laughs> well, if, if I could share just a quick story. I saw the uh, Monty Python, The Meaning of Life, first uh, when it came out in Manhattan. At a theater there, my father took it, uh-huh. and it was hilarious. The place was packed. People were laughing uncontrollably, yelling at the screen. And then the second time I, I watched it was in a, 
a very rural town in western Pennsylvania, Indiana, Pennsylvania, in a mall uh, theater, and it was about half full. And as the, as the movie progressed, more and more people got up and left. And by the there's maybe a dozen people left in the theater by the end of the film. So I just thought if, since you since you take delight in that, I wanted to share that story of the the you know the contrast there of the screening areas, which is which yeah is yeah. Well, that's it. At the, the very beginning, the Python fans were were not very numerous um, nor very vocal, but there were enough of them. Thank goodness for the BBC to give us another series. That was all that mattered to us. Uh, in those days, you won't believe this, we weren't even told what the audience uh, figures were. We didn't know how many people to watch the program. Uh, the only thing that mattered, there was a thing called the AI, the Audience Appreciation Index. And uh, that's to say, people who'd seen it would say whether they thought it was good or not. We always scored high on that, but we didn't have a very large following, and it developed very, very slowly, but of course, 40 years is a long time to allow something like that to develop. And what happened is that Pont Monty Python stayed much more alive in uh, America than it has in England, because in England it's it's regarded a little bit as having sort of faded away. And somebody wrote an article in our silly left-wing paper, The Guardian, which is very shrill and not very intelligent, though it thinks it is, saying, uh, referring to Monty Python in our 50-year-old jokes. Well, I said they don't really refer to William Shakespeare and his 400-year-old plays. Presumably, with age, they get worse. Otherwise, he wouldn't be writing this stuff. So uh, the, the press has never really liked anything in England that's successful because they're a very envious bunch and they want to cut everyone down to their size, which is very, very small indeed. But over here in America, there's much, much more enthusiasm for it, and that is very heartwarming. It's it's heartwarming and it's interesting to me because it's so very English, and uh, I, yes. I would assume yes. you know Americans would be like, well, I don't really get some of this, but apparently it just it's it's snowballed over the decades, and you know to me that's kind of it, curious. It is, but there's still a lot of people who don't get it, but they are living basically in the flyover states, you know, so it doesn't affect anything. <laughs> People ask about the American sense of humor and, and the British sense of humor. The point is, in America, there's two senses of humor. There's the one that understands irony, which is all the big cities and the coasts and the Great Lakes. And then there's the other part that doesn't understand irony at all, which is basically the, the red states. Right. And those are two completely different um, senses of humor and indeed of philosophies, because you don't get uh, many fundamentalists um, in the states where uh, irony is understood. I heard that you and, and the Monty Python guys, when you went in to pitch the idea for the television show, did not have any kind of plan at all, didn't even have a pitch. You kind of just walked into the I BBC. I know, it's true. It's true, so you it's had nothing so planned. On a shake. <laughs> what? We had nothing planned. We hadn't even discussed it properly. And when the guy said, what do you propose to do, there was a silence, and then we sort of improvised. We said, well, were you in a comedy show with, 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 with funny things uh, sort of intended to make people laugh and jokes and, 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 and gags and things? And he looked at us. <laughs> 
that. And then he took this extraordinary risk. He said, oh, go away, make 13 programs. Wow. That would never, that would never happen now. You know, somebody just approached me to do some podcasts, but instead of saying, what would you like you to do? They want to know what it is that I'm going to do because they sort of think because they've got a big desk that they understand audiences better than I do. And statistically, that's improbable. So when you went to pitch uh, uh, Holy Grail, was it the same thing? Did, I mean, did you have a plan for Holy Grail? When yes, you went was, okay. we okay. couldn't get anyone. We couldn't get anyone interested. We couldn't get anyone to give us money for life abroad. It was going to cost $3 million, £2 million it was going to cost, and we couldn't get a single studio in the U.K. or in the U.S. to put the money up. And, of course, it was an artist. Uh, it was George Harrison who put the money up. Wow. Uh, he, he rang up Eric. Eric was a friend of his, gave him the script. He laughed so much, he said he fell out a bit. Um, <laughs> and then he rang up and said, I'll put the money up. He, he said, I'll mortgage my house. And Eric said, but this is wonderful. Why are you doing this? And George said, I want to see the movie. <laughs> That's such a great story. <laughs> Just extraordinary. And when we tried Life for, uh, sorry, Holy Grail, we got it by getting together a group of, uh, of rock groups. I can't remember them all because I don't know anything about rock music, but I think Pink Floyd was one of them. Really? And Jethro Tull. Wow. And uh, Genesis and what was it called? Something Chrysalis Records. Yeah. All yeah. the money that was put up came from pop, pop, uh, rock bands who discovered that there was a favorable tax situation if they invested in movies. Uh. I see. That's great, Never though. Never from executives. Never, ever from executives. And that's why I have the I have the statistical evidence. Anybody who doubts me, just read a book called The Drunkard's Walk by Leonard Mlodinow. And there's a few pages at the earlier part there about, about um, Hollywood. And, and uh, nobody knows. Nobody ever knows what is going to succeed. But they're all frightened that they'll lose their jobs. Um, so they, they go for the safest possible choice so that nobody can say you made a fool of yourself. You see what I mean? Mm. They go for the most conventional yeah. choices. But uh, this is the way it's always been, that uh, the people in charge think they know what they're doing. Uh, actually, they don't know better than anyone. The artists have got a better chance, but even the artists don't really know whether it's going to work, but they have a better chance of guessing than the executives do. It's so it's so uh, evident with the amount of reboots and remakes of older movies that they're yes. willing to take less and a less a chance. Yeah, you see, I have a very funny idea for a movie. Um, it's uh, it's a, a light comedy about cannibalism. Oh, great! And it's called <laughs> yeah, it's called Yummy. And um, you know, if I could show it was based on a, on a comic book, I'd probably get it made. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean, I can't believe, uh, though he's a wonderful actor, that this guy who played the Joker is up for Best Actor. And the idea that a best actor could be in a comic book movie just strikes me as being totally absurd. Um, but it, as you get older, you do begin to suspect that the world is much, much madder than you ever thought, you know. And I think the great thing about Python is it sort of reminds us that it's all 
all pretty crazy, really. Somebody once said to me they love Python because they couldn't watch the news afterwards because they couldn't take it seriously. I think that's very helpful at these, this, uh, this time of our lives. Well, John Cleese, it's been a uh, an honor and a pleasure as a longtime fan. I'm looking forward to the uh, <laughs> the screening of uh, Monty Python and the Holy I Grail. Respectful nonsense. That's what? why we don't use radio personalities in the show. You see, that's why my daughter comes in and, and introduces everything because, of course, daughters are not respectful to husbands. To, to, so right. Daughters well, are not respectful to fathers, and that makes it much more entertaining. Well, I have to express my gratitude because you've given me a lot of laughs over the years. So that's, I just want Oh, that's to, lovely. When people know. say that, I get a little warm feeling around my heart because that's the nicest thing anyone can say to me. Yeah. Well, February 15th, Hanover Theater, that is Valentine's Day uh, weekend, as a matter of fact. So I think nothing. Is it really? Yeah, that's uh, February 14th is Valentine's Day. So that weekend, a lot of people will be going out. I think nothing paves a path to romance and, and possible uh, erotic adventures like a screening of Monty Python's <laughs> A Holy Grail and a Q&A with John Cleese at the Hanover Theater. So. Well, that's right, because if you really laugh with someone, all the barriers come down. Right, exactly. you gotta get, you got to get the date laughing, and then you're in, right? Then you're in. <laughs> all, right, all, right. all right, Mr. Cleese, thank you very much for taking the time today. Come and ask a rude question. I will. I will be there with my ridiculous question. Good. A ridiculous one. That's yes. excellent.